section nine of a flurry in diamonds by amos chiptree this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by tom penn chapter twelve on reaching mr lindley's rooms i found him sitting in a great easy chair his head resting upon his hand in a meditative sort of way as i came in he arose and greeted me in his usual courtly manner though a close inspection of his features showed me that kate had not exaggerated the effect which his troubles had produced upon him his face wore a stern expression unusual to him the corners of his mouth were drawn down and his eyes had lost some of their brightness as he spoke i could detect a slight tremor in his voice although he pitched it in a very low key it was plain to see that it was no ordinary excitement which had so affected a man of his powerful physique and iron nerve motioning me to a seat facing his he began speaking as soon as he had resumed his chair at first trying to assume an easy manner but soon succumbing to his feelings he grew considerably excited as he progressed i have sent for you fred as the nearest friend of pierre and also because you are a favorite of my own among his acquaintances there are no other persons whom i can recall outside of my family here to whom i should wish at present to confide what i feel it my duty to tell to you although i think there can be no explanations given which will change my view of the circumstances which i am about to relate your close intimacy with my son for so long a time may perhaps aid you in discovering motives for his actions of which i am ignorant it is hard fred for me to have to acknowledge at my time of life that the hopes and promises in the early life of a favored son have not been fulfilled that instead of being allowed to remain an assurance that this son would continue to justify my faith in him i must conclude so suddenly that he has betrayed my trust in him that instead of living in hope of his future high standing in his profession and among his fellow-men i must come down to the acknowledgment of the hard fact that he is a defaulter a common thief and that the victim of his crimes is his father i see that you would have me modify the terms but what is the use soft names for such acts will not lessen their enormity and as i am a practical man fred and used to plain speaking i may as well put it to you just as i see it as i have sat here alone this evening pondering over the developments of the day and comparing my early struggles and hard knocks and dependence upon my own efforts for whatever success i should attain with the very opposite of this as exemplified in the life of my son i have been more than ever convinced of my mistake in being induced to give him a professional education in place of compelling him to make his way in the world upon his merits in some practical business as you know fred i have been most indulgent with him in money matters since he was a boy i have always had the fullest confidence in him seldom questioning him as to his expenditures satisfied that he had no bad habits or questionable companions i have put myself upon an equality with him and tried to encourage in him a feeling of independence told him that my purse was for the mutual benefit of myself and children to be used liberally in proper ways but with an eye to the fact that as my fortune was not that of a vanderbilt there was a necessity of our keeping within bounds never but once have i had to express disapproval of any action of his in a financial way from what i have learned downtown today, i think that such disapproval which he has wrongly construed as a refusal on my part to assist him has led him to take the fatal steps which 
besides making a felon of him, have caused him to fly from home and from friends whose confidence he has so shamefully betrayed. I see you start again, Fred, as though you think me too harsh. But when you hear all, you will be astonished, as I am crushed at the evidence which compels me to believe my son a thief. Last evening Pierre came to me in a confused sort of way, and said that he feared he should need my assistance in a few days to the amount of some five thousand dollars. As I could not imagine what use he could so suddenly have for so round a sum, and noting his worried manner, I expressed considerable surprise at his request, and asked him what occasioned the demand. He then told me that some three months ago he had endorsed a note for that amount to oblige a friend of his, young Clark. Walter Clark, I believe, is his name. It seems Clark needed the money in his business, and pending the settlement of a sale of some property in the interior of the state, induced Pierre to lend him his name, assuring him that it was a mere form, that he would have the money for the land long before the note came due, and that Pierre would never hear anything further from it. It seems there is a hitch in the transfer, that Clark has not received the money, and that the chances are strong of Pierre being held for the amount of the note. I felt annoyed at Pierre, and plainly told him so, and that I did not see that it was my duty to pay the debts of his friends. I further said that, as he was worth nothing in his own name, of course he had nothing to lose in this case, but cautioned him of the danger of following up a custom of endorsing for his friends. I did not flatly refuse his application, but I think he got the impression that I would when the time came. That was the view I wished him to take of it, so that Clark might stir himself and raise the money. If he failed to do this, and the note should be protested, I intended to see Pierre out of it without his being troubled. I thought it a good time for both of the boys to take a lesson which might benefit them hereafter. Besides, Clark is good for the debt, and I should lose nothing in the end. Before retiring, I asked Pierre if a certain company had paid him any money on my account within a day or two, to which he replied in the negative. I thought rather strangely of that, as this money, some $10,000, is a quarterly installment of the royalty on my most important patent, under which these people are the only manufacturers, and they are usually very prompt in payment. The money was due on the 1st of May, and, as it was the 3rd of the month, I had looked for Pierre to bring it up for the past two days. The payments are made at his office, where all the papers pertaining to my business of that nature are kept. Pierre and his partner, Mr. Blakely, continue to act as my attorneys, in which capacity I have always employed the latter, an old friend of mine, as you know, since I first had occasion for legal advice in my transactions. When I was downtown this afternoon, I dropped in at the city office of the company using my patent, and, after a general discussion of business affairs with the managers, I said to them that, if convenient, I wished they would let me have the quarterly payment which was due, as I knew of a profitable investment in which to place it. The treasurer at once apologized for the delay by saying that he had been called away from town for a day or two, but that upon his return this morning had himself taken a statement of the quarter's business and the money which it called for around to Pierre's office. He showed me Pierre's receipt for the payment, which amounted to something over $11,000, a very good quarterly business for all concerned. Of course, this was a satisfactory explanation to me, and I left feeling in very good humor. After attending to some other little matters, I arrived at Pierre's office at about four o'clock, and found Mr. Blakely there. After passing the usual compliments of the day, I inquired for Pierre. There, 
replied blakely i am glad you came in as i fear i might otherwise have forgotten the message which he had left for me to send up to you pierre has been suddenly called away on some private business and expects to be gone for some days he told me this in a hurried manner as he was preparing to leave when i returned from luncheon and requested me to send you word as he had no time to do so having to leave at once to catch the train he did not say which way he was going nor did i think to ask i thought it nothing remarkable as you know it is not unusual for him to go away on business connected with the firm still i could not conceive of any private business which he could have requiring his absence for so indefinite a time i told blakely i was glad i had called for besides relieving him of the necessity of sending me a message i could also relieve him of the responsibility of longer holding the money which had been paid in this morning on my account he looked up surprised and seemed in ignorance of what i was driving at what money do you refer to lindley he said i have no recollection of any being paid in for you for some time i then told him what i had learned before coming there well he replied if you saw pierre's receipt he must have received the money i suppose but i am positive it has not been paid in while i have been in the office it probably came in while i was at lunch and in his haste to get away pierre forgot to mention it to me if so it should be in the safe and he got up and searched for it but without success strange he said pierre must have carelessly stuffed it in his pocket and forgotten it those people always pay in greenbacks and although usually in notes of large denominations still it makes a bulky package to carry and blakely was right it is their custom to pay in money instead of by check a peculiarity with them which i never understood as they are a solid concern their checks are as good as gold but as they for some reason of their own seem to prefer making these payments in money i have never questioned them as to their motive in so doing i was considerably provoked as well as surprised over pierre's apparent thoughtlessness as he is usually most businesslike in all such matters but as there was nothing to do but to await his return for an explanation i left the office and came immediately home while riding up the street i got thinking the matter over and then for the first began to see that pierre's actions denoted something more than mere carelessness in regard to the money it was hard for me to bring myself to believe this fred but the more i pondered over it and turned it in my mind the more firmly i became convinced that my suspicions were correct i tried in every way to put a better face upon it then to convince myself that it was cruel in me to doubt the high sense of honor which had always manifested itself in my son and wicked for me to admit the thought that he could under any circumstances be induced to betray the confidence in which i held him but there were the strange facts of his sudden departure without imparting any cause therefore either to his partner or myself the mysterious disappearance of the money which he had no reason to suppose i knew him to have received and finally i recalled our conversation over his endorsement of young clark's note and in some way connected that with his actions by the time i arrived here i was pretty well mixed up in a state of doubt and fear but when kate showed me the card containing pierre's message to her which i suppose you have seen and told me the particulars of her finding it and what winnie had witnessed how could i doubt longer that pierre was a thief as he finished he drew a deep sigh and showed in his downcast eyes and quivering lips the effect which his belief in the guilt of his son had produced upon him i pitied him from my heart and though i was almost crushed myself by his rehearsal 
i still tried to rally him by assurances that it could not be so bad as he had pictured it that though i could not yet see entirely through all pierre's actions i was hopeful that we should have an explanation from him which would make everything clear without loss of honor on his part but as i really had nothing substantial to offer him to justify me in these views i did not succeed in altering his conclusions seeing the hopelessness of future argument with him on the subject i turned the conversation in other channels asking him about the dismissal of sloane he told me that he had no trouble in that direction as the officer apparently expected such action on his part he has no suspicion i think of the new turn of affairs but imagines that when he has made some sort of a confession and restored the diamonds that kate has interceded for her and her brother and induced me to decline prosecuting them this i gathered from his conversation and hints thrown out by him i did not dispute the correctness of his conclusions rather encouraging him to believe that he had guessed the truth paid him a good round fee for his services and instructed him to discharge richard as i should not appear against him he left seemingly satisfied with his pay and confident that he had accomplished a clever piece of detective work perhaps i did wrong in not telling him of my discoveries in retaining his services in the pursuit of my son but fred i have not yet determined whether such pursuit is advisable and therefore thought it best not to acquaint him with this new phase of the case you did right sir i replied for although sloane and his chief will still think winnie and her brother guilty no harm can come to them and at the proper time we can explain matters to the officials this matter must right itself in some way before long it is kind of you to say so fred and i know that you feel the force of what you say he said rising and grasping my hand but for me can only see in the affair the damning disgrace into which pierre in his rashness has led not only himself but also his family with regard to the diamonds fred i will see that you are paid for them as soon as i can settle myself to attend to business don't mention that now mr lindley i said that is an after consideration and does not now interest me in the least neither father nor any of our people at the store know anything of the loss and as father will not be in town for about ten days i shall keep the matter to myself until his return in the meantime some satisfactory ending to the mystery may be arrived at obviating any necessity for me to let him into the secret at all so please do not let that part of the affair disturb you remembering my promise to see kate before i left and as it was getting late i expressed a hope that after sleeping on the matter he would take a brighter view of the situation and bidding him good night withdrew well kate i began as soon as i rejoined her i have heard your father's statement and while i must acknowledge that he has some grounds for his suspicions against pierre i do not see the justice or propriety of his condemning him so strongly without further evidence than he now has i can see that to a man of your father's fine feelings of honor the least deviation from a strict course of rectitude on the part of an only son must be most humiliating and he has my sympathy in his sorrow but i cannot yet bring myself to believe that pierre has done anything either criminal or dishonorable oh fred she replied warmly it does my soul good to hear you say that i knew that you would not condemn pierre without the strongest proofs of his dishonesty that you would not allow yourself to be prejudiced against your own convictions of his strength of character even by papa whose confidence in him seems so sadly shaken for myself i must admit that papa's terrible earnestness in his belief has partly converted me to his views 
but your words have reassured me and though i can give no reason for the feeling i have a consciousness that we have wronged pierre by our suspicions i do not expect that you can offer any explanation for his strange actions as in the whirl of excitement through which we are passing calm thinking would be out of the question for you as well as for myself that's just it kate i said when we get our wits again perhaps some solution of this mystery will suggest itself which now in our unsettled state of mind is out of the question i forgot to mention fred said kate in quite a cheerful tone that i received a letter from grace hartwell this afternoon in which she writes that she is coming to the city with her uncle in a few days mr hartwell is called here upon business which will occupy his time for several days and grace will make her headquarters here i am to expect her on saturday morning i was glad on kate's account to hear this pleasant news this miss hartwell was a charming girl whom the lindleys had met some years previously on one of their summer jaunts and in whose company and that of the family of the uncle mentioned they had travelled together here and there for a couple of months the young ladies had formed a strong attachment for each other and were in the habit of exchanging visits at each other's homes miss hartwell was an only child and an orphan worth half a million in her own right she was the ward of her father's younger brother a widower with two or three growing children and resided in boston at the home of this uncle i had met her frequently when she was the guest of the lindleys and had assisted them in entertaining her by relieving pierre in escorting his sister while he paid his devoirs to miss grace upon numerous rides and drives in visits to the opera and art galleries and in attendance at an occasional little reception i had for some time thought that there were signs of a feeling considerably stronger than that of friendship on the part of pierre toward miss hartwell which with a little more encouragement on her side than i had yet noticed i fancied might lead to an ultimate betrothal i thought her the handsomest young woman i had ever met some two years kate's senior tall and rather slightly built though not at all thin she was the very personification of ease and grace either in motion or at rest a well-shapen head and a neck neither short nor slender perfectly poised upon full sloping shoulders with well-developed bust and arms of perfect shape long tapering waist and an erect graceful carriage gave to her figure the air of a queen she wore her masses of light golden hair loosely arranged little fluffy locks of which seemed to have escaped and floated at will over her broad high forehead her full deep eyes of clearest blue were captivating in their brilliancy and in conjunction with rather full cherry-colored lips which try as they might could not conceal the rows of perfect teeth beneath gave her an expression almost bewitching add to these charms a pink and white complexion a clear and rippling voice a hearty whole-souled manner without ostentation or affectation a strong intellect carefully cultured and you have something of a picture of her as i knew her that pierre should have become enamoured of her seemed to me only a natural consequence whether he would succeed in securing her affections i had my doubts not that it would not be a desirable alliance on her part for pierre was a man whom any woman might be proud to claim as a husband but it seemed to me that miss grace not unmindful of her charms and her fortune knew that she was something of a prize in the matrimonial market and although not strictly a flirt was a little given to coquetry though seemingly so light-hearted and frank in disposition she was a woman of discernment and having been brought up to know of the worthless would-be husbands of handsome heiresses floating about in society evidently meant to keep clear of such excrescences 
in fact of any entanglement of a sentimental kind while as then she could get so much good out of life in her untrammeled condition i could see that she was pleased with pierre's attentions and had a high opinion of his merits and position but i did not see that she evinced in the many little ways so often apparent to close observers of these things any signs of exceptional interest in him but woman is sometimes hard to read and i might be far from right in my views when kate told me of her contemplated visit i was pleased for several reasons although three days must elapse before she would arrive the anticipation of her coming would keep kate in better spirits and give her something to think of besides her own and her father's troubles then if there should be no solution to pierre's strange actions before her arrival miss hartwell would be a desirable confidant and adviser to kate in her sorrow i congratulated kate upon the good news and spoke of the good results which i anticipated from the visit i have thought of that too fred she replied but i have also thought that grace will have anything like her usual good time in visiting us just now but you must help me in making her stay as pleasant as possible thank you kate a most agreeable task i assure you but i am afraid i shall not prove a satisfactory substitute for pierre kate's face saddened again at this reference to her absent brother that may be true fred though i think not in the sense you mean to convey grace likes pierre as a friend and as my brother beyond that i do not think she regards him differently than she does any other of her gentlemen friends yourself included all right kate i replied smiling at her way of putting it i'll take your word for it as you ought to know all about it but i had hoped you might have seen indications in that direction which i could not be supposed to know anything of but looking at my watch it is getting pretty late and you must feel the need of rest as i assure you i do myself if there is nothing further you may wish to say to me i will go promising to let you know immediately anything which i may learn in connection with pierre if agreeable to you i will drop in here occasionally to ascertain if you may have heard anything if you get anything which you may think is important for me to know send for me at once by telegraph or messenger promising to comply with this request and requesting me to step in whenever convenient she extended her hand which i took in mine and slightly pressed as i bade her good-night i fancied i detected something of a responsive pressure on her part but as it might not mean anything except an impulsive expression of thanks for my sympathy in her behalf i did not take it much to heart and after reaching my rooms was soon soundly sleeping oblivious of that as well as of the other incidents of that day which had been so full of exciting events End of section nine.